0: Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher.
1: All right, here we are on Overtime. Uh, we're on.
0: <laughs>
1: are we really on CNN now? CNN, what did they go nuts? We're putting us on there, but no, I'm thrilled. The world needs a good CNN, so I'm very happy that we can help out any way we can. Uh, so we have Brett Stevens of the New York Times is back. Congressman Ruben Gallego, and the Chief of Police of Minneapolis. Not anymore, right? Uh Madeira Arundando. Rondo is really the name they call you, isn't yes. it? Rondo. Yes. Like Ray John Rondo. I love that name.
2: Don't have his jumper. No, you don't.
1: <laughs> so the course, first question is for you. Do police need better training in de-escalation tactics? Obviously a question on a lot of people's mind this week.
2: You know, mm-hmm. the actuality is that uh, police are getting some of the finest training... Uh, that they can possibly get. I think when situations occur, like in Memphis, uh, it certainly makes people want to resort to, well, it's the training. And at some point in time, we just have to call it, it ain't the training, it's the character of the individual doing this thing. Really? It looks like the training sucks,
1: too, though, sometimes.
2: (laughs) We are constantly
1: improving training, seriously. Okay, but, like, why always firing the whole clip? You know, I mean, I, I remember reading some statistic, I forget what year it was, maybe it was like 10, 15 years ago, like, the entire nation of Germany, like, the police shot 89 bullets in a year. Whereas, like, that's like one... <laughs> one instance, and they're all just firing the whole clip. It yeah. seems like once the firing begins, there's no, like, OK...
2: They are... You know, police departments are really doing a a, a much better job in terms of... Of, of use of force training. The de-escalation piece is the critical, most important piece because we never want our officers uh, to get into a situation where they may have to use deadly force but actually the training uh, is, is really good. We just have to really start making sure we're focusing on the quality of the individual who's wearing that uniform. Okay.
1: So this is for you. If you uh, by the way... The people who are seeing this for the first time, these are the <laughs> these are from the people. Oh boy! But these questions, <laughs> I don't even know what these questions are. I really don't. i sound like a magician here, but uh, <laughs> we've we've never met, have we? Uh, this is this is for you, Representative Gallego. Why are Republicans gaining ground with Hispanic voters? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: look, it depends where <laughs> it depends where what state you're talking about. In Arizona, that's not the case. In Florida, uh, it's uh, definitely the case. In Texas, nationally, it's, I think you know, it is mix. It's a mixed bag. Um, the reason why... But Trump did better even after
1: <laughs> they're all rapists. Yeah. not in 2016. Trump, yeah. but in 2020.
0: Yeah. I mean, what the, the heck is yeah, going the biggest, on there? The biggest point, that uh, the reason why this is happening is because Democrats also need to respond to the fact that Latinos are working class. And they have aspirations. Oh. They want to be rich. They want to be small business owners. They want to own a home. And a lot of times we just kind of gloss over them and we treat them as if they're just any other voting demographic. If we don't talk to them. We don't actually deliver programs for them. You will start losing them. First you lose them to non-voters and then they start voting for Republicans because at least they have some other vision. But it has to be an active campaign. We actually have to talk to them about the American dream, about how they can be part of the American dream and sometimes we don't do that. And and that's how we end up losing. But it's also because...
3: it's, It's also because... Latinos think for themselves. I mean, we have this like, oh, you're a you belong to demographic X, so you're a natural constituency for party Y. That's just not the way in which people operate. They're not they're not like, oh, I'm a demographic and therefore I must vote for this this particular party. I mean, I grew up in Mexico City. My father was from Mexico. You know, even the very term Latino is so misleading. It's so wildly misleading between what well, we don't assume that a Brit is an American, is a Canadian, is Australian, but we somehow do assume that a Mexican is, a, is, a, is an Ecuadorian, is an Argentinian, oh, right. is a Dominican. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, learn what this community is about. I ab- absolutely agree with, with, with Ruben that, that, like, it's an immigrant community oh, and immigrant an communities are aspirational. And if you have a Republican Party that say, we're going to make it easier for your small business to operate... By not charging you 1.7 million dollars for golden toilets or whatever the case may be, right? They're going to respond to that Republican message. They're also very Christian and increasingly evangelical.
0: Uh, I would say, look, like, just go, a couple of things, right? <laughs> I think it's a it's a big, big, big misconception that you know the the La- Latinos and I, and I do call them because it's a shared culture is that um, that they're very religious. Uh, if you uh, see some of the younger voters, um, they are. Religious in the sense that they're, they're Catholic, most of them, but they vote uh, in a very, very liberal manner. But also Latinos vote in very different manners. It, does, it depends when you came here, depends how old you are, depends how rich you are or how poor you are. And the, the problem with Democrats is that we do treat them as one big monolith, and we only talk to them with about two months left in the election. When you really need to be talking to them from day one, <laughs> and you're right... Not assuming just because they're brown or, or have a last name that, you know, ends in a vowel, that they're automatically going to vote for that. We have to earn that. We have to earn it, and we have to earn it every cycle. I noticed they do... There is a
1: lot of... Besides what you're talking about, that kind of lumping, there's also a lot of brown and black. Mm-hmm. I hear that term a lot in, when politicians talk.
3: Yeah. Is it's, that, it's, is a, it, it's a, a made-up
0: it... white thing. <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> I like that <laughs> Oh, think, so when you talk about brown and black people uh, yes. I mean yeah. I just
1: I just I, I feel like they do Yeah they, because
0: they... because obviously
3: someone who comes from an upper class family in India has everything in common with someone who comes from a, I don't know, a working class family in the Yucatan. I mean yeah. it's o- it's only something that essentially an inherently racist assumption that anyone who's a slightly darker skin tone than you has something in common and they belong in an acronym, <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, And it's yeah. and it's the condescension of <laughs> It, I think this is a fatal flaw for the left, this kind of condescending view of other people. Well, you're in a, you're part of the BIPOC community. I think the last people who know what the BIPOC community is... Right. ...is the BIPOC community.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do... Uh, <laughs> I do think that there is... There has to be some, some you know, at least uh, understanding, like, at least there's an, an actual outreach that's actually happening, and there's an attempt at least of respect for that. Now, you have the flip side. You know, we're, we're trashing Democrats, and then at the same time, we have a party that yeah, has well, not also been great oh, we to, to, Latino, yeah, yeah, to Latinos, we're, we're, you know. And we're trashing I, everyone here. All right, well, I let's promise. trash away. Yeah. But, you know, I grew up, you know, I grew up in Arizona. I was there for SB 1070. I was there for Sheriff Joe Arpaio. And there was a lot of opportunities where Republicans had an opportunity to actually reach out to Democrats uh, or to Latinos, and they lost that. And they lost that because of those types of actions. Uh, and so, yeah, sometimes there is this, like, uh, language overreach that is designed to do, uh, you know, try to get people into your coalition while avoiding some of the real issues that are happening. But it happens on either side. And, and okay. you know, I'll give you a good example. I, I've, I, you know, now that I recently announced I'm running for Senate, I'll, you know, once in a while I'll get a Twitter you know, message that, hey, well, why am I going to vote for something that's owned by the cartels? Or you should be president... Uh, you should be a senator in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Like, I was born in this country. I served my country, and yet I still get, you know, accused of not being a, a true American. And it's, it's disgusting. And It's coming from the conservative right. Yeah,
1: it is gross. OK, uh, this is for the whole panel. Is Kevin McCarthy, who's your new leader in Congress, not yours... He's something, yeah. He's something. <laughs> well, he's the, he's, the, uh, he's the leader in the House. Yeah, yeah, he's I mean, the, yeah. It took 15 ballots, right, which is almost unheard of. It, has Kevin McCarthy already made too many concessions to be an effective leader of his party? Well, I guess uh, for people who haven't followed the story, Kevin McCarthy, who is a very far-right Republican in my view still was not conservative enough for, like, the 20 really, really, really right people in the Republican uh, caucus, and they stopped him until they made him... I mean, I think they did everything but make him wear the Viking hat.
3: (laughs) The dunce scat. The the (laughs) dumb Yes. Uh,
1: But, like... I I think one person can can get rid of him by objecting to something he does. I mean, how can this function?
3: Because the Republican Party basically is split split between uh, reptiles and invertebrates, right? I mean, (laughs) you've got Marjorie Taylor Greene. uh, There's some honorable exceptions I'm generalizing. But what, what, what Kevin McCarthy said is, I will do anything to be speaker. I will agree to any compromise. Right. At some point, he should have said, you know, take this job, Marjorie, and shove it. Let's give it to Hakeem Jeffries if this is the way you want to play. And then they would have backed out. Um, and the spinelessness that he... The, the, the tone he set right there is going to be the tone of this Congress for the next two years. Look,
0: it, it is dangerous. Like, I'm afraid that he's going to get us into a debt-limit situation where we're going to end up, you know, tanking the world economy because he gave up so much power to them to have this title. Right. But the, it's a title now. That's all it is. It has no right. power. More importantly, now he has very zero responsibility, but he's going to end up... And the country ends up dealing with the consequences of that. Uh, right. it, was not a, it was not a great study in leadership, which none of us should be surprised uh, by, but, it, you know, right. it is what we're dealing but, with right but, now. But let's hope the economy won't be tanked. Yes. Can Thank I have you. one
3: question, very yes, briefly? Yes, very quickly. Rondo. Yes. What percentage of cops are good cops? All. <laughs> The, the,
2: the, the vast majority of the men and women who put on that uniform and serve their communities. Okay, but he said
1: so. 99.5 in the show. I, I, so I, I, I don't know if we pulled. could, I don't know it how. It's just a number we don't have. It was a figure have.
3: of speech. It I was.
1: Mean, that's not a figure of speech, that's right. a number. It was, it was
3: intended that way. <laughs> it was intended that way. Alright, we gotta go. Thank you very much.
0: Catch all new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 10